Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this fifth edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year, we'll preview the college's cultural festival, which is coming up this Saturday morning. Also on Saturday evening, we have Fusion Fest 6. And we'll also check in with Sports Information Director Dan Nolan, who bring us up to speed on what's happening in Monmouth College Athletics. In case you hadn't heard the news, Monmouth College is now a test-optional college. That means that beginning with the 2020 fall semester, new students who applied to the college will not have to submit a score from the ACT or the SAT. There's more about that exciting news, which will help Monmouth continue to reach underserved students on the cover of the Monmouth College website. And of course, that address is monmouthcollege.edu. We'll hear more about Mama's test optional admissions policy in an upcoming edition of the 1853 podcast. One of Mama's more interesting fine arts events of the year will be this weekend. It's the 24-hour play festival known as Fusion Fest. It's held at the college's Fusion Theater down on Main Street in downtown Monmouth. This year's Fusion Fest will be performed at 7.30 Saturday night, September 21, at the Fusion Theater. Monmouth Theater Professor Vanessa Campagna, she's the event's producing artistic director for the fifth consecutive year, explains how Fusion Fest works. Fusion Fest is a 24-hour play festival that produces new plays written by students directed by students, performed by students, and because it's all done in 24 hours, these plays time at about 10 minutes to make it. Find some playwrights, they draw a name of a director and a team of actors from a hat. They also draw out some required phrase that must appear in their play. Standard props, very simple costuming, very simple lights, and of course producing it at the Fusion for the event's namesake. Now in its sixth year, this year's Fusion Fest will be a little bit different from previous editions. As Vanessa says, that's in no small part thanks to a play that her colleague Doug Rankin worked on recently at the Fusion Theater. Instead of producing them inside of the theater, we are actually utilizing the storefront windows. Fusion Theater is a storefront building. Uh, Doug Rankin would be happy to walk you through its history. Uh, He knows all that good stuff. And uh, he had to design a play for the local community this summer. And the set for that play is actually able to be repurposed for our department's production of Tom Stoppard's The Real Inspector Hound, which will be produced in February. And Fusion Fest was the only theater season event that was supposed to transpire in the Fusion Theater between the summer production with the community and Stoppard's play. 
And, you know, I think it's really important that we model for students to be strategic and that theater is a business. And so time equals money and human labor is something to consider. So I told Doug, don't strike that set <laughs> this summer. You can repaint it, we'll redecorate it, um, but don't take that scenery down. And well, what are we going to do? Let's use the store. As Vanessa points out, performing theater in a storefront window is a pretty main street idea. You know, and if you know anything about Chicago theater, there's an entire district. It's off loop in Chicago and lots of small, intimate storefront theaters. Storefront theater, you know, is broadly defined, but some qualities of storefront theater is um, theaters that do experimental work. Okay, Fusion Fest constitutes that brand new 10 minute plays uh, storefront theaters often produce works that feature particular voices we check that box too these are student playwright voices student experiences storefront theaters tend to engage the community well fusion theater constitutes that it is called fusion theater because it fuses the campus with the local community and uh, storefront theaters are experimental and so we wanted to capitalize on that experimental element and put these plays in the windows. I think they measure something like four feet by 12 feet uh, glass windows. We're gonna drop a microphone in there. We're gonna drop in some small scale lights and we're gonna pump the sound out. Uh, we'll have chairs set up in the street. So we petitioned and have really had a lovely partnership with the local businesses that gave us permission to to close down the street. So thanks to the Maple City Barber, Maple City Diner, Alfano's, the ice cream shop. You know, our neighbors have just, oh, and the Bijou. Everyone's been so kind and supportive. Um, so I think, I think it'll draw people down to see it simply because the way it's being produced is incredibly different this year. That's Monmouth Theater Professor Vanessa Campagna previewing the sixth annual Theater Fest, which will be held this Saturday night at 7.30 in front of the Fusion Theater. In the event that the rains linger, it will be moved inside to the lobby. You can read more about it on the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. This weekend will mark the silver anniversary for Monmouth's popular cultural festival. The festival, which will be held this Saturday, September 21, turns 25 this year. The annual festival is always a wonderful celebration of the college's diversity and the culture of its international students. The Cultural Festival, which is free and open to the public, will be held from 11 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. And because of a rather ominous weather forecast for Saturday morning, the event has been moved from the historic Dunlap Terrace into Glennie Gymnasium. The festival will include food sampling from 11.30 in the morning until 1.30 in the afternoon and cultural entertainment, some of which will be provided by Monmouth student organizations. Director of Multicultural Student Services, Regina Johnson, is the event's principal organizer. She says the event is always a popular community happening 
for numerous reasons. Um, so for 25 years, Monmouth College has hosted its own internal cultural festival to celebrate the students and their diversity of where they come from um, and their heritage on campus. So pretty exciting stuff. And Regina says there will be a lot of musical entertainment on Saturday. Um, there will be um, a mariachi band from Chicago. We have a steel drum band from Chicago. Um, and we have an African drum circle um, from the Quad Cities. But most importantly, we have a half a dozen of our own students that are doing performances. Um, we have a young lady from India doing a traditional dance. We have spoken word. We have our gospel um, choir um, doing some performances. The Highland Harmonizers are joining us um, for some performances. Um, just a variety of different good things. This will be the eighth cultural festival that Regina has been involved with at Monmouth, four years as a student and now four years as a staff member. She says that a different kind of people watching is one of her favorite parts of the festival. I think that I enjoy most watching people um, interact and explore um, things that they've not realized before about their peers. Uh, most often, I think both domestic and international students come here and sometimes quietly sit back on who they are and where they've come from. And so for the whole campus to be able to see that, I, I enjoy watching those interactions. I get to see it on a daily basis with students, but most do not. Regina says that the food samples are not only one of the more popular parts of the festival, but they also help bring folks together. And that's thanks no small part to the culinary excellence of campus chef Kim Fornero. You say that because I've had several students in the last few days say that that's one of the things that they look forward most is, uh, is, the, is the buffet. <laughs> Um, and food service does a tremendous job. Um, we started planning this a month ago. As soon as we got on campus, I worked with food service to get recipes from the new students from different countries that we've never, that we've not had. Um, and yeah, I mean, they do, they do an amazing job. I know Kim starts planning about three weeks out, trying to order ingredients, um, to have them here to complete some of the to some of the recipes. And Regina says the cultural festival is also a reminder of how similar folks are, no matter where they come from. Absolutely. I think that there's, um, you know, initially there's a cultural bridge, but once you get over it, um, there's there's so much written, richness that, that the students share in common. And, and I think that this gives, um, it gives everybody the opportunity to see that. Um, I believe at last count, there are 33 represented countries on campus, which includes all of our um, international students, not just the new international students. Um, and, and not just the international students, but when you look at our domestic students, um, you know, they might be first gen um, um, students from another country, um, but they are U.S. citizens, but they were growing up in an environment that was richly not American. Um, and so I think that that, um, you know, for some of these students, their experience has been here um, in schools, but they're still they're still first gen and they're still first, you know, um, a U.S. citizen. So that's Director of Multicultural Student Services Regina Johnson previewing the 25th annual cultural festival. The festival will be held from 11 in the morning until 2.30 this Saturday, September 21 in Glenny Gymnasium. 
To read more about it, check out the story on the cover of the Monmouth College website, and that address is monmouthcollege.edu. You're listening to the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. The Monmouth College women's and men's soccer teams start Midwest Conference play later this month, and both teams are heading in into conference play with a full head of steam. Joining us to discuss the Fighting Scott soccer teams, as well as help us catch up on the activities of other Monmouth Falls sports, is Monmouth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. He's the man behind MammothScots.com, your official spot on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Dan says that both the women's and men's soccer teams started their respective seasons with unbeaten streaks. In both the levels, uh, the women's uh, soccer team uh, tied the unbeaten streak uh, uh, six straight. Uh, that came to a close uh, this week with a 3-2 uh, loss to Dubuque, but still uh, they, they went through six games going back to last year without uh, losing a game, so that was great. And and uh, really they're getting scoring from a lot of different people. We're not talking about J.C. Reese and, and uh, Kara J. Gordon every week now, so that's uh, really a great sign, uh, going to be very tough to defend. And the men are riding a streak, too, going into uh, Wednesday night's game over at Iowa Wesleyan. Uh, they were on a four-game win streak, and like the women, and they've got a bunch of uh, players who are scoring. So, again, tough to defend. So the soccer teams uh, are riding a pretty pretty high wave, and I can't recall the last time the men and the women uh, were this good this early at the same time. So it's really an exciting time out of peak. The Monmouth football team hopes its first win of 2019 comes next weekend on Saturday, September 28, in a home game against visitor St. Norbert College. That game will be played at April Zorn Memorial Stadium. Football gets a break. Really couldn't come at a better time and forget about the first two games, what the outcomes were. Uh, this was an, a needed break uh, every season, I think, before we get into uh, playing the Midwest Conference North Division schools. So we've got two games under our belts. Uh, uh, saw some things, uh, some positives, some negatives, and this gives Coach uh, two weeks to uh, get that ironed out. And I know uh, most coaches, and, and Coach Braun is, is, uh, falls in this category, they want it to be better right now. <laughs> and, and the fans do too and the SID does too. doesn't happen that way uh, but they've got plenty of time now to start getting things going and Devin Lawrence up at uh, Wartburg 154 yards so he gained all but uh, 14 of our uh, yards on the ground that was by far his best game of, of his career and so it looks like uh, we're getting things rolling and you know Jake Yaraz got that 42 yard touchdown pass from Brennan White and uh, Jake broke a couple of tackles on that I saw him out in the hallway the other day and congratulated on that and reminded him if he ran a little bit faster he wouldn't have to break those tackles so uh the, you know they're they know where they're going and and uh they've they've got uh, a good uh a target that they're they're aiming at and uh we'll see uh how we do uh on the 28th when we get back home and and host st norbert it'll be another tough game but i'm sure coach braun will have them ready to go and and keep building and and be ready to go once we hit the uh the south division which are are the games that that really matter for the conference standings the Emily Tebow era in Monmouth College Volleyball continues to get off to an impressive start. 
and it's included an impressive milestone. Yeah, Coach Tebow had a, a pretty good weekend. Went two and two over the Knox tournament, and then uh, uh, on Tuesday night uh, rolled past uh, uh, Blackburn three uh, nothing and uh, won the first and last sets twenty five thirteen. The middle set was a little close twenty five twenty two, but the women uh, dug it out and and uh, got the win. And speaking of digs, uh, Renee Rude hit the uh, thousand dig milestone um, as a junior, so that's uh, great for her. Uh, and I spoke with her too, and and I was giving her a little bit of a hard time. I said, you only need about another 1,500 to hit the record. Uh, so probably not going to hit a record, but still a 1,000 uh, digs, uh, quite an accomplishment, especially when you consider you know it's early in her junior year. Uh, but uh, yeah, Coach Tebow has the team playing pretty well, made some lineup changes and uh, moved some kids around, and uh, things are starting to take. Also, Corey Bizzari's golf teams and Coach Brian Jordan's women's tennis teams continue to make strong showings this month. Uh, golf uh, men and women uh, played uh, against Benedictine. Uh, Benedictine uh, men hosted the Midwest uh, Region Classic last week up at uh, Galena, and uh, the guys showed some market improvement in, in there. Uh, they uh, shaved about 20 strokes off their uh, day one score, so a, a good improvement. They learned the course and uh, put that knowledge into practice the next day and and we've got to remind people we have one sophomore and the rest of uh, primarily our freshmen uh, we have one uh, one senior uh, Zach Ferris but uh, Zach is here for the fall semester he graduates at semester uh, so you know the, the spring season's looking pretty good and for the women uh, they're they're shooting uh, averaging uh, actually better than their average last year when they uh, set the uh, school record uh, having said that they're still not at the level coach uh, Bazzari thinks they can get to so uh, we'll be anxious to see uh, how they do and and uh, you know, we've got the uh, the new conference the slack tournament coming up in, in about three weeks so uh, that's what we're shooting for there for the uh, for the women's golf program uh, women's tennis are, are doing uh, fairly well. They went one and two last weekend uh, up north, and uh, Rachel Lifehite and uh, Allison Bowman uh, unbeaten at number two doubles uh, last week. So that was great, and you know they won their first uh, match against Lawrence eight seven, and then uh, had a, a pretty easy time against Ripon, and then uh, beat St. Norbert on the final day eight seven. So uh, looking good for that new number two doubles team. And Emily Laughlin had a, a pretty good weekend for us too on singles. So you know again there uh, we, we've got. Uh, three seniors but we're also pretty young down and lower in the order so uh, coach Jordan's uh and got the team building and hopefully we'll see if we can uh, sneak into that conference uh, tournament this year the Monmouth men's basketball team doesn't tip off the 2019-20 season until November 15 but at least one national publication Street and Smith has high hopes for Todd Scribbs' fighting Scots uh, ranking the men number 10 in their national poll. That's not regional. When I saw the poll came, come out, I originally thought it was, oh, number 10 in our region. That's that's pretty cool. Then I got to reading and realized that was the national poll. Uh, talked to Coach Screw Seth about it, and he said, well, you know, that's nice, uh, but that poll is just a poll, and, and we haven't done anything on the court yet. Uh, so that'll be their motivation. And uh, along with that, uh, Will Carius was named a preseason All-American, very deserving uh, for Will. And, uh, you know, we have high expectations for the basketball team. But like uh, Coach Screws has said, I'm, I'm not even sure we're going to be uh, ranked to pick our uh, – pick to uh, win our conference so <laughs> the, the conference is pretty pretty good so you know the polls we'll, we'll take them that's monmouth college sports information director dan nolan he's the man behind monmouthscots.com your official spot on the world wide web for all things fighting scots related
And remember, you can follow all of Monmouth Athletics on Twitter at MCFightingScots. And for all of Monmouth College's social media accounts, check out the bottom of the homepage of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. And that's going to be a 30 for this fifth edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer with the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. Thank you.